Welcome back to the Locked On Marlins podcast. Actually, as I'm recording this, the Marlins are taking on the Yankees in a spring training matchup with Eisen Diaz mic'd up. It's been a lot of fun to watch the first couple innings, but I wanted to get this podcast out to you guys at least by the end of the game, hopefully before the end of the game. It's going to be a mostly major league team-centered podcast. I'm going to start with the outfield situation, which is one of the more wild roster situations the Marlins have had in a while and then the second half of the podcast I'm going to talk about the rotation because I think that's kind of been buried in terms of some decisions the Marlins have to make there because of how wild the outfield situation is so it's a good problem for the Marlins to have they have a lot of players that are knocking on the door on being ready and some veterans that still belong on a major league roster which creates a little bit of a conundrum in terms of whether you let the veterans go or you end up calling up one of the young guys because you don't want to let the veterans go for pennies on the dollar which ends up being the case when you try to make a trade before the season goes because every team's thinking they like their roster right now just about every single team besides maybe the Orioles and the Pirates likes their roster coming into this season so they're not going to be too eager to go out and make a trade before they the struggles start you know once you get to the dog days then teams are going to try and bolster up their squad but for now it's really hard to send out a guy like Jose Urania or Magnera Sierra or Harold Ramirez and expect much of a return, let alone a return in the middle of the season right now, it's even less likely. So I'll start with the outfield. It's a pretty unique situation, like I said. Obviously, the big topic of discussion has been Monte Harrison and whether he is on the opening day roster. There's a lot of moving parts to that, right? Because you have a couple solidified starters in the outfield when you consider Corey Dickerson, who the Marlins made a big splash to sign, who will be slated in at left. And then now it seems like Jonathan VR is penciled in as an outfielder, so he's always going to be in the lineup. And then you have Garrett Cooper, who I wouldn't say is written down now as the outfielder because the Marlins have been very cryptic and weird in terms of how many at-bats he's going to get, whether they're going to commit to him. It's been pretty non-committal, but it seems like Garrett Cooper is the guy to play the third outfield position if Monte Harrison does not get the spot because that's where the whole discussion comes in. Like, where does Garrett Cooper go if Monte Harrison makes the opening day roster? You say first base, then where does Jesus Aguilar go? The Marlins think he's going to bounce back. They signed him to a major league deal. They've been talking the talk on him, too, about how confident they are in him. What does that say if then he doesn't even play after having a strong spring and the Marlins were saying how much they think he's going to bounce back to that all-star form he was in to just go back and then not play him? So it's a really weird situation where it's like, do you play Aguilar at first and then Cooper in the outfield and Monte Harrison goes to triple A? Yeah, that probably seems like the most logical and likely scenario. But let me tell you why Monte Harrison deserves to be on the opening day, Rob. First of all, going into spring training, the Marlins said Monte Harrison would have a chance, albeit an outside chance, to make the opening day roster in the Marlins called the outfield situation an open competition. So if it's an open competition and Monte Harrison was given an outside shot to make the team, What else would he possibly need to do to make the team if he really had any shot whatsoever? He has shown that he's improved his hitting ability in terms of battling when he's behind in the count. He's shown that he can now hit to all fields. He's not pole happy. He's been driving the ball the other way well. He's shortened up 
on that stride as well, kind of like Lewis Brinson did, but he had an even more ridiculous leg kick that was causing him to have a little bit of length in his swing and mess up his timing. So he makes those adjustments. He looks really good out there. He's swiping bags left and right. He's hitting for power, average, playing good defense. There's nothing, like he's the five-tool player that the Marlins were saying he could become. At least that's what he's showing right now in the small sample size in spring training. So what else does he need to do to prove that he belongs on the opening day roster? If Monte Harrison had an actual chance then he earned it right now in spring training. And there's no reason that he doesn't belong on the team other than the fact that the Marlins can't make a tough decision in terms of what to do with their outfield. Because, of course, you have the three outfielders that I named. Then you have Matt Joyce, who I think you can pencil in as the left-handed bat off the bench. He doesn't really cause as much of an issue in this, but it's Harold Ramirez and then Magnera Sierra. Sierra doesn't have any options, I don't believe. And Harold was one of the most productive players in the Marlins lineup last year for much of the season, but he seems like the odd man out right now. So it seems like both of those players would benefit from going elsewhere and would probably want to go elsewhere. I doubt they would accept an assignment to AAA. And even without Monte Harrison, it's hard to find them at bats in this lineup right now. So the Marlins might just have to cut loose, kind of like they did with Austin Dean. I thought they did all right in that trade and just get what they can get for Harold Ramirez and Magnera Sierra. Because at this point, do you want to take at-bats away from Garrett Cooper and Monte Harrison and Lewis Brinson, who I didn't even mention either? Lewis Brinson has earned at-bats too. How is he going to slide in there? There's so many people that are fighting for at-bats, but at the end of the day, I want the young guys to get the at-bats. There's no reason for Harold Ramirez and Magnera Sierra, who are no part of the future. Nothing against those guys. I'm a big fan of Harold, and Magnera Sierra has a chance to be a decent fourth outfielder, but they're not part of the future. So why let the future suffer and let the future be delayed and not develop just so you don't have to make a trade? Like, just do it. Just get it over with, rip the Band-Aid off, because you're delaying the inevitable by sending Monte Harrison to AAA by not giving Lewis Brinson at-bats. Because ultimately, you're going to have to give Lewis Brinson at-bats. You're going to have to give Monte Harrison the call-up once he's mashing in AAA. So you're just delaying the inevitable, because what are you going to do with those two outfielders then? You're going to have to figure it out. So for now, it seems like Harold Ramirez and Sierra should be the ones that go especially because of the fact that Garrett Cooper can also play first base. If Garrett Cooper was limited to the outfield, maybe you could make the argument that you'd rather have Harold because he's younger. But as it stands now, there is no reason to let the young players wait any longer. And the Marlins have said in the past that they do not want to block their outfielders or their young prospects with veterans that aren't part of the future. So Hopefully, they put that into account here when they make these opening day decisions. But Lewis Brinson, especially at this point, you have to see what he has now because he's made those adjustments, like I said in the other podcast the other day. And at this point, you have to just see what he has, what he's capable of, so you can proceed and know what to do with the future after you know if he's part of it or not, whether he is able to make the most of this last chance that he's going to get this year or not. So what's one other way that the Marlins could open up a a potential spot, at least for the beginning of the season, so they can assess Monte Harrison and Lewis Brinson? 
And I hate to say it because he's mic'd up right now and he seems like an awesome guy, but Isan Diaz has been struggling since the end of last season. His stint in the bigs was not good, as you all probably know, and he's struggled in spring training so far. It doesn't mean I don't think he's going to be good. I do think he's going to be a very solid second baseman. But it seems like he's lost a lot of that momentum that he had built up in AAA. The game seems a little fast for him. Why not go back to AAA for the first third or first quarter of the season? Build back that momentum. Mash in the PCL. Just get your confidence back and come back into the big leagues with some forward momentum and feeling good. And there's no reason for him to just continue to struggle in the bigs. Get him a little bit more confidence and bring him back up. While he gets his confidence, Monte Harrison and Lewis Brinson can get some more at-bats in the outfield and VR can play second. Take advantage of your versatility if you're the Marlins because that is the ultimate thing that they wanted so that they could open up at-bats for certain players. The other thing too is Jesus Aguilar is going to get a chance probably to play every day at first base. Let's say he continues to struggle like last year. It gives you a chance to assess that situation. If Eisen Diaz is in the minor leagues and then Aguilar is struggling, then you can shift Cooper to first and Aguilar to the bench and open up some more at-bats that way. And then once it seems like you know what you're doing with Monte Harrison and Brinson, hopefully the Marlins will have another tough decision to make because both of them are hitting well then you can decide what to do with Isan Diaz to call him up. It's obviously a lot of moving parts here and a lot of decisions that have to be made. But at the end of the day, you have to see what Lewis Brinson has. I think that's priority number one. But with Monte Harrison, if he ever had a chance at this opening day roster, like the Marlins said, you should reward him and give him a spot on the opening day roster. Figure out a way to make it happen because... It just doesn't seem like the right message to tell a guy that he has a chance to make the opening day roster. He does everything he needs to do and then some, and then he doesn't make it. So we'll see what the Marlins ultimately decide. Monte Harrison will continue to force their hand, and he has shown that he's ready. I understand that he did not play a ton of games in terms of his uh, last season because of the injuries and Don Mattingly said he probably would have been called up at some point last year but that furthers the point that the Marlins probably see that he's ready so feel free to tweet me what you think the Marlins should do with their outfield situation because it's pretty much just a wild crapshoot in terms of so many different things the Marlins could do and so many different directions they can go to figure out who is going to make the team and who's going to get the at-bats so feel free to tell me what you think they should do and on the other side of the break, I'm going to talk about the Marlins pitching rotation. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Marlins is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Marlins fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Miami Marlins fans in a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On Marlins podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com backslash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word ADVERTISING to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com backslash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. 
So as I'm recording this, Sandy Alcantara is cruising through two innings. I hope it's not the old broadcaster's jinx, but from what I watched, he looked very sharp. And Aizen Diaz even had some high praise saying he could see him ultimately being a Cy Young winner. So talking about who should start opening day, it's a two-horse race for me. It's Sandy Alcantara or Caleb Smith. You can make a case for both of them. In terms of the first half of last year, Caleb Smith was a top 20 pitcher in baseball. There's no way around it. And he looked like a certified ace. He got banged up middle of the season. He came back and he just never looked 100%, was super susceptible to the long ball. It was the opposite for Sandy Alcantara. A little bit of a slow first half, finished strong into the All-Star break, good enough to be the Marlins representative at the All-Star game, and then finished really strong to end the season. So Caleb Smith has probably more of a chance to have that lights out 12 strikeout performance, but Sandy Alcantara probably has a better chance to go deeper into the ball game. And the thing about Sandy is that's more of the marketable future ace per se, even though I don't think he's ever going to be an ace, but the marketable young pitcher that you can throw out on opening day and say, here's the future, come watch him. You know, it's not a Jose Fernandez type of standard, but at least you're looking at a young pitcher that has good stuff. He's fun to watch. He was an all-star last year and you can just build him up in that way where it's, this is our opening day starter, get excited as they will hopefully do in the future with Sixto Sanchez. But with Caleb Smith, it's not like he's a bum either. And he's obviously an exciting player to watch pitch as well. But I like the idea of just the young stud Sandy Alcantara coming out on opening day with some of the other young studs and showing the fans that this is what you've been waiting for. The future is here. It's starting to happen. Caleb Smith might be a part of that future, but ultimately Sandy's part of that young core that the Marlins are hoping will come together in the next season or two. So those two will be at the top of the rotation no matter what. Then Pablo Lopez slides in at three, hoping he stays healthy this year. He can finally have a chance to show what he's capable of. He's been hot and cold, but the advanced statistics are pretty generous to him and show that he's been a little bit unlucky when he has pitched. The FIP has always looked pretty good no matter how high the ERA has been, and he's shown potential to be able to command the fastball in, in the mid-90s. People don't realize, I don't know if it's the high socks or what it is, but he's 6'4". He doesn't look that tall on the mound, but he, he's tall. He has a nice downward action on the fastball, good command of multiple pitches, a good changeup, and he has all the makings to be a solid middle of the rotation to back of the rotation arm in the major leagues. Then you have Jordan Yamamoto, who again was hot and cold. We saw flashes where he was dominant and was the first few starts he made, he was virtually unhittable with the four pitches that he can throw and that curveball that he'll throw sometimes loopy, sometimes a little bit harder. It seemed like the league figured him out a little bit once he was a few starts into his MLB career, and that'll happen. But then you just adjust back. Whether you can adjust the second time is typically how a player will be successful long term, or whether it's kind of that rookie beginner's luck type of sensation that we saw with Chris Coughlin, though there's some more moving parts with him. But it's whether you can adjust to how the league adjusts to you. That's the big thing. So we'll see if Yamamoto can do that. And then rounding it out is Jose Urania. I'm not saying this will be the order of the rotation, but this is kind of the order of just people I'm excited about. So Jose Urania is obviously the least that I'm excited about. I was hoping that he wouldn't be on the opening day roster. Of course, there's still a chance that the Marlins will trade him, but I, I think at this point he is going to be on the opening day roster and the Marlins might just hope that he can show a little bit 
of what he can do and have a few good starts in a row. Maybe a team has a pitcher go down as pitchers just sadly tend to drop like flies in baseball as the season goes on. So maybe the Marlins let Jose Urania make some starts. They want a veteran in the rotation that can anchor the back end of it. But by no means should Jose Urania be in that rotation come July or August because Jose Urania is not part of the future. That's very clear. He is not going to reach this ceiling that we once hoped he could. He has that electric fastball and you always held out that kind of hope. I did. I know I did that he could figure out the command and use that stuff, harness that stuff, but it's just not going to happen. His strikeout numbers have always been abysmal, even in the minor leagues. His command has always been bad. And at this point, if you haven't figured it out, it's unlikely that he will. Maybe he'll figure it out somewhere else, but I doubt it's in Miami. And at this point, it's similar to the outfield situation. Do you want Jose Urania taking innings away from the young guys that are coming up? I'm okay with him starting the season in the major leagues and making some starts because I don't think Nick Knighter is totally ready. That is because just because he missed so much of last year. In terms of his pitchability, I do think he's ready, but I do think the Marlins want some more innings under his belt because he was so abbreviated in his season last year in AAA and had that knee issue and then was really, really good in the Arizona Fall League. So let him go into AAA and get some starts under his belt. So that is when you can have Jose Urania showcase himself a little bit as Nidert gets seasoned in AAA. But then if Nidert's doing well, get Jose Urania the hell out of there. I'm sorry. Just get what you can get. Some team's going to trade for him. He's a veteran arm that throws in the upper 90s. Some confident manager, GM, pitching coach is going to say, I can fix this guy, and they'll take a shot on him. It's going to happen. So it's just whether the Marlins deem the trade worthy and whether they want to get rid of him but at this point if he's blocking a ready Nidert, then there's no reason to have him on the roster because ultimately right behind Nidert is Sixto Sanchez and you don't want them both coming up at the same time because you want to see what Nidert has before Sixto comes up and you hope that everybody stays healthy but of course someone's probably going to miss some starts at some point it's just statistically speaking one of the five pitchers will miss a few starts, but that would be when Sixto could come up. But Nidert should slide into that five-man rotation before an injury because Jose Urania should not be soaking up innings in that rotation. So I'm excited to see what Nidert has, then Sixto following up behind, and then maybe Edward Cabrera, if he continues to show what he has, can be knocking at the door behind. I know I'm not mentioning Robert Duggar. He has shown that he can pitch pretty well so far in spring training. I'm just not really sold on Duggar being anything other than a back, back end of the rotation type of pitcher, like maybe a fifth starter at best. For me, he seems more like a cleanup duty reliever. And I'm not saying he's bad by any means. I just think with the promise that the Marlins have in their young arms in the system, Robert Duggar just does not seem like part of that future and doesn't seem to have a spot slated in to the future of this team with all of the young arms coming up, especially with the chance that the Marlins draft another arm, college-level arm, in the draft this June. So a lot of moving parts there, and I know a lot of things the Marlins will consider that they know that I don't know. But for now, 
that seems like the most logical way to handle things going into the season. Of course, things change, players struggle, injuries happen, and a lot of cards will shuffle differently than you thought they would. But for now, that seems like it makes the most sense. That should be the plan, and we'll see how it unfolds. But the Marlins ultimately, in summary, Jose Urania should not be in the rotation, and Monte Harrison has earned a spot in the opening day lineup. Figure it out, Marlins. Make an opening for him because he has earned it. I would love to hear what you all think in terms of how the Marlins should handle the situation, how they should handle the outfield situation. I'm sorry if some of you love Harold Ramirez and Magnera Sierra, but I am excited about the young guys and I want to see what they can do. So tweet at me at Locked On Marlins. Give me your thoughts and let me know what you think of the Marlins situation in the outfield and the rotation. Upcoming episodes will be on the draft, some more prospect previews, and a lot more. Please be sure to subscribe and rate the podcast. Let me know how I'm doing, and I will talk to you all tomorrow.